Hey y'all, you know who this is. We're back for another episode of Moments with Mika. Um, usually after I say that, you'll probably hear Rick saying Rick, but you're not going to hear that this week because, which is good news, Rick's baby is here. Yes, baby Rick Rick is here. Um, he arrived on March the 14th. He's six pounds, three ounces, healthy at about 5.02. So congratulations, Ricky. Make sure that, you know, you take this time out, build that great bond. I am so excited about it. But I am not here alone, you guys. I have a special guest on the show this week. Um, a lot of you know her, um, especially if you went to school with us. I know it's a lot of people that listen to the show as family, friends, or even if you're my friend on Facebook, you've seen this tagged in the picture. I got Portia with me today. What's up, Portia? Hey, guys. So, Portia is my little cousin. Now, this is my Auntie Luana's a daughter, and this is my mom's older daughter by one year. <laughs> so... We've grown up, um, we've been close our entire life. We were cheerleaders at New Haven. Go Rockets! Yay! (laughs) Uh, So, you know, this show is um, a really awesome show. It's our first time being on the show. Um, So, this should be awesome. Um, Today we're discussing, you know, dealing with death. Um, A lot of people don't like to have the conversation about death, but, you know, sometimes it's something that needs to be said. Um, It's like... How do you cope with death and grief? And this show, we're going to get into it a little bit. So sit back, relax. And also, guess what, guys? Pusha got her baby girl with her, Dallas. Uh, Dallas, you want to say hi? All right. Say hey. Hey. That's Dallas, y'all. Dallas is going to be helping us with the show, too. She's sitting here. She a host already at, how old is Dallas? Two? Two years old. Two years old and already hosting. (laughs) So, guys, sit back, relax, enjoy this show, and we're about to get into it. Say, Dallas, say, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. (laughs) And we're back. So, for this week on the show, I want to discuss coping with death and grief. There's been a lot going on in the world. Um, a lot of people that has lost their lives this week. I think about the Ethiopian plane crash, the New Zealand shooting, and my heart goes out to the families, and I'm keeping them in my prayer. But I want to talk about this because we don't know what tomorrow is to bring, and some people are actually going through things right now, um, dealing with loss, and I want to be able to help people help other people when they're going through tough times or help themselves. Now, I've experienced a close death a few years ago with my grandmother passing, and I did not deal with it um, very good. And I've learned from that. Um, I've learned how to cope and how to get through everyday life. And I think about my dad just got back from Ethiopia. What if he would have been on that plane? You know, anything can happen at a snap of a moment. And I wanted to have Portia on the show this week because Portia has recently dealt with something in her life. Like my grandmother um, was was sick. Um, she she you know she um, had survived a stroke. She survived a heart attack. And I, although she was you know in age, I you know thought that my grandma would always survive everything. Um, but realistically, you know I know how things work. Um, but that wasn't the case in Portia's situation. You know, her father was not sick. This was something that was unexpected, but I'll let Portia explain it. Go ahead, Portia. Hey, yeah, um, my dad died just about a year ago on April 19th. Um, it's about to be a year now. And like, um, Mika was mentioning before, a lot of people don't know how to deal with death. And when it's someone close to you and it's very unexpected, that's what really take a toll on your life, and it changed in so many different ways. And the fact that, yes, we have had so many people die that's been close to us in our family, but this was actually my father, like, who passed away. Mm-hmm. So that was just something that I had to adjust to. But, and I'm not going to say get over, but... I mean, life still goes on, but I don't know how to deal with death. And to the fact that with my father passing away, I don't even sleep at night anymore. Um, It's very hard to sleep alone. I've been dealing with a lot of fear. And 
it just really changed my life in so many different ways. And so, um, yeah, my dad died unexpectedly last year, like I was mentioning. And it was just traumatic. I mean, me and my sister and my grandmother actually walking in and me seeing the doctors doing CPR on my father was just too overbearing. And the fact that I only got five days before my dad, in the hospital before my dad even took his last breath. So, I mean, things... It's it's hard. It's really hard, guys. I mean, and if you have someone close to you and you feel like you can't, you know, deal with death or you feel like you're struggling in so many different ways, talk to someone. I mean, it's okay to share your thoughts or share how you feel because I'm not one of those people. I keep a lot of stuff bottled in and, I mean, it's always good to just have someone you can talk to about um, different situations like this. It is. It's like um, once it actually happens... Um, they they try to diagnose it and they try to say that there's different stages. Um, but I could say a few things. I know that I felt. I know you probably felt. It's like when you get that call, or you get that text message. It's yes. like the first thing is you think about is is denial. It's like this can't be happening. You shocked. Like yeah. it's not really happening. And that's what happened. I got that call. I thought it was a bill collector, and sure enough, like. That doctor said, get to the hospital right now. I have your dad here, and he's unresponsive. So I'm like, nah, not my dad. No, you got the wrong person. He's like, no, you need to get here right away. And by coincidence, me and Toya was actually together that day. So we get to the hospital, and sure enough, my dad is on the ventilator and not able to breathe on his own. So, I mean, and at the same time, that was my grandmother's only son. So, it's it's definitely hard on her. And it's really really been hard on her, and my heart goes out to her with that, um, dealing with that as well, but... Right, because no parent really wants to outlive their kid, realistically. And then, well, parents, I know that they think about this, but no, no child wants to bury their parent. They you know, don't. that's that's hard. I don't hard. I did not want to bury my grandmother. That was hard. She was like a parent to me. Yeah, she <laughs> really was. And yeah. I miss her cooking too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you go through that stage of like it's shocked. It can't be happening to me. And then the next thing is you get angry. Especially, you know, us growing up, we was religious. Yes. So the first person that you get mad at instantly is God. God. You say, you know, why did you do this to me? How could you let this happen and you control everything? Yes. You think about like, why did you let this? Why me? Why? Why yeah. did why? this have to happen? Why? You know, and some people that's not, not spiritual. They may blame doctors. Well, yeah. what did you do? Why didn't you try to save him? Why didn't you try to save her? And you know, you people, feel that it's just their time. Sometimes it's just there's nothing else you can do at that moment. And I mean, you can't question God. At that point, I mean. Right. I mean, and usually doctors, they do whatever, you know, they can do. And then also, if it's in another situation, you know, someone harmed them. You know, some people get robbed and get killed. They think, like, why did this person choose, you know, my loved one? Why did they choose them? Why did you have to do this to them? Why did the plane have to crash while they were on the plane? You know, like, why did this have to happen? And it's like dealing with anger. You get angry, Mm -hmm. you know. And at the same time with being angry, you start to get to a point of desperation. Like, I would yes. give anything to have Just this person back. to have back. that person back. Yep, you get desperate. You know, like, what What do I have to do to get this person back in my life? Like, I, I would do anything yep. for another, people say another moment, another hug, another kiss, another conversation. You know, and this is, and some people think, like, am I thinking crazy? No, we all experience this when it's something tough like that. We we experienced this. And then next, with all this going on, you also get to the point of depression. You get yeah. sad. You get sad. You get emotional. Um, because it's like you feel like you can't do anything. Like, I don't want to do anything. I don't I don't want to go outside or I don't want to get out the bed. 
I don't want to eat. I don't want to yes. take care of myself. You know, and I think that's one thing that we all experience is that point of like I just don't I don't have it in me. No more hope. Yeah, you you oh. lose all hope, you lose energy. Um and those are and they call those the different stages. Uh, and I think that for some people, you experience all that in one. Like, I experience so many emotions. I have to. Yeah. I have to. And the point that I can't, to the point where I can't sleep alone, I got to have my daughter in the bed with me, or I have to have my significant other with me. But it's because I will allow it to get to that point. But... It's just, you don't get that person back, and it's just different thoughts that run through your head, and it's just hard. It's, it's hard, hard accepting it. It's, it's hard, hard to accept. Yeah, it's, it's hard, hard to come to a piece that you won't see the person again, you know, you, you won't be able to hear their voice unless you have, you know, videos and different things to go back on. It, it's really hard. Um, there's no real way to define how you should deal with death. Yes. Because everyone is different. Everyone's different. Yep. Me, as a person, um, I chose to separate myself and um, isolate myself. Isolate, yep. yes. Yep, that's what I did. I kind of isolated. I stayed in a room, and I stayed in the bed. You know, I lost my appetite. You know, Portia, you know, as she said, she lost the ability to be able to sleep most of the time and then also to sleep alone. And it's, you know, for us, for me, it's, you know, it's been a couple of years and I'm still coping with it and I'm still dealing with, it, especially, you no know, holidays. No holidays with them. No birthdays. Yeah. No Father's Day. No Mother's Day. I mean. Mm-hmm. But it's like you, you have to get to a point where. You don't forget about it. You know, you never forget about that person. No. But you have to get to a point where you can honestly just, you know, accept it and live with it. Live yeah. with it. So I, I think this was a great, great starter of the conversation. What we'll do is we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Dallas, say we'll be right back. Oh. This is... Yes. Moment. Moment. With. With. Mika. Yeah. With Mika. Mika. <laughs> and this is Moments with Mika for sure. So we have discussed, um, uh, you know, the experiences that we've had with Dove. Um, but one great thing that, you know, I want more pe- more people to know is we can live with it. We can cope with it, and there's different things that you can do to help yourself and to help others. Like, I can say one thing with other people um, that I would like to say. Like, if you're trying to help someone that's going through death, let them talk, you know? Yeah, you got to let them talk. Yeah. That's the only way, you mean, to make things better. That, and that might be their only way to cope and to make them feel more comfortable with dealing with the death of their um, loved one that they're lost. And, I mean, you know, the way that I cope with it and deal with it, um, when I'm thinking about my dad, because he was so close to my grandmother and that was her only child, I call her like, hey, hey, Mia. I, that's why I call my grandmother Mia. Hey, I was thinking about my dad today. Do you remember this or do you remember that uh, or yeah. whatever? And we just have a conversation. We laugh about it. I mean... Still to this day, I have my dad's cell phone. I go through it and uh, see all the girls he used to talk to. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's just the way that I deal with um, his death some days. I mean, having some of his different belongings helped me out. And I still have, like, that moment, like, oh, yes, my daddy was witty. He was funny. I mean, I just still have them moments and dealing with loved ones on the day to- daily the day-to-day basis and um just being around people laughing and having fun it's important to because i know that i isolated myself a lot and i had to get out of my shell and start coming out so you you do like i was i tell people this all the time the the saddest moment for me was not the funeral 
is once all the people leave, you know, after yeah. the funeral, everybody it's, has to go back to their normal life after the funeral. So, you know, that's where all the visitation stop, all the calls stop, you yeah. know? And honestly, some people may forget about you. And that's what you get saddened about because it's like, not to say that you wasn't there, but you were there, but what what's the aftermath? Like, right, and some people, like, you can't, and I think the more, one thing is uh, we forget that, you know, people have lives. They got they jobs do. to go back to, you know. And so it's like sometimes you got to reach out to other yes. people. When you need to talk, you do. You need, to, you need someone to call. When you want to cry, if you don't want to cry by yourself, you need some, You need to call somebody. FaceTime somebody these days like, yo, I need <laughs> I, I need to have a moment. Like you need somebody like that, whether it's yeah, you family or friends. And our family is huge. It really so is. you guys had like a big big support behind you like anything to still to this day like you know anything that you need or need to talk about you can call somebody and i think one thing um that a lot of people need to do is don't be afraid to like reach out for help professional help don't be afraid to talk to a therapist if you need to or go to Um, counseling or anything like that yeah so it's nothing wrong with that i think people you know feel sometimes i don't need to talk to a counselor or something Sometimes we do. We do. Sometimes Honestly. we do. Yeah, and then also make sure that you keep your memories. You know, like Portia said, she go through his phone sometimes and laugh. Me, I, I kept my grandmother's hat sometimes. And I got, like, videos in my phone and I'll replay them from time to time. And I'll, I'll laugh. You know, at the time, it gets easier to watch those things without crying or yes. without that frog being in your throat wanting to cry <laughs> getting that moment where you be like mm, mm. <laughs> like you know you get you get through it and I think the same thing is what you know grieving people grieve different things people grieve marriages that you know goes into a divorce they do um, people grieve when they lose a job you know they that's do. the income of money so it's about learning and accepting things. Accept your feelings. If you're angry, accept accept that anger. You know, don't shun yourself. If you said, don't fake it. Don't fake it till you make it. Stop letting these people lie to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to do that. If you want to cry, cry. I was a person. I didn't like to cry in front of people. So that's why I isolated myself because I wanted to cry. I didn't want to cry around people. My pride was too too strong. And you have to let yourself feel. You have to let yourself hurt you have to let yourself feel things. I think we try not to feel things when well, we should. We should feel what we feel, you know? Yes, we um, should. And then also holidays, because that's usually the biggest thing. Like, the first holiday without them. I yes. think it was, was it, it was Father's Day. It was Father's Day. You know, instead of being sad on those days, try to create a tradition, you know? Do something in honor of that person for the holiday. Like, if it's yes. Father's Day... You know, take some flowers or, you know, do something special for that person that they would have liked, that they would have laughed at, you know. Um, Instead of, you know, doing the complete opposite. You know, I know we're going to cry. I'm not going to never tell somebody not to cry. You're going to shed those tears. You are. You are. But, you know what? Make it tears of joy. Joy. You're going to be sad because you miss them. It's human. But think about the fun times. My grandma... When she used to talk, she used to always say, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that was her. And if she didn't like you, when you come in and say, hey, Miss Hunt, she like, mm. <laughs> that was her thing, man. Like, that was her thing. But you have to, you get, you get to those points where you can start dealing with it. But don't be afraid to call someone. Don't be afraid. Live in, we have to learn to live in the moment. Like live we can't, in the moment. We can't change the past. And we don't know what tomorrow is to bring, so cherish the people that you have. Definitely cherish. Cherish them because, you know, this is we know how life works, you know. And then have people that you love around you, whether it's friends or family, whether it's the support group on Facebook. Connect to someone. It don't, it don't matter how you connect to that person, you know. I think most people say, oh, it's weird to make friends off Facebook. Make you a Facebook friend if you need to. Someone that you can talk to and be like, hey, you know, you seem cool. Let's let's chat it up. I'm not saying slide into somebody's DMs <laughs> and try to be slick. Exactly. But I'm saying, you know, don't be afraid to talk about things. Don't be afraid to talk about the memories. And when you're helping someone, one thing I heard when my grandmother passed, and I swear it pissed me off, 
Um, I think someone said you. You know, I think they they were trying to help, but they were they had said, "Oh, you'll get over it after a while." No, no, no. That's still my loved one, and I'm gonna always remember that person, so I won't get over it. Right, and it's like some people they don't when they say things they don't really mean it like that. They just you know they try to help, but that's something that you you want to stay away from. You want to stay away from giving someone a time limit on how long they should be hurting or how long you know this grieving supposed to last because it's different from everyone sometimes it's months for people they can get over and sometimes it's years and sometimes for me it's been a couple years and i'm coping with it for portia's getting ready to be a year you know so it's something that um you learn to adjust to we are we're always adjusting in life and this is just another adjustment that you you have to make yes it is so it's okay to reach out and to have others help you deal with the death and um, what you're going through at the time, definitely. And don't be afraid. Like me, I am open to talking to people. Don't be afraid to inbox me on Facebook. Um, don't be afraid to email me off the website. I'm always here to talk, give some inspiration, give some laughs. I'm, I'm a really funny person, whether Ricky think it or not. Ricky be hating, but he be laughing too. I'm a really funny person. So, like, if you need someone to talk to, uh, whether it's, you know, about a death or whether it's just that you're feeling bad, you just need somebody to talk to, reach out. It's Mika Hunt, M-I-C-A-H-U-N-T. Find me on Facebook. Inbox me. I don't even know if I can accept any more friends on Facebook. I know, because you got tons. Yeah, my <laughs> friends is packed. But follow my page or something. Like, you know, you can get in contact with me if you need some help. But this has been awesome. What we'll do is we'll take a quick break, and then we'll start doing this outro. It's time for another Mika moment. Uh, most of my Mika moments, I like to... I'm using myself as an example because I know myself better than anybody else. <laughs> and one thing that I've been thinking about is um, in my prayers, I always say to help me help other people. And in order to help other people, I have to make sure that I take care of myself. Um, so basically what I'm saying with all this information is, be selfish sometimes. Choose yourself over other people sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you got to choose yourself. You can't always sway the other way because of, you know, you want to take care of other people or you, you want to do this and you want to do that. Make sure that you look out for yourself as well. Because um, if you don't look out for yourself, it's other people that will look out for you, but... You got to be able to help other people. You can't be worn down, tired, you know, or on the verge of snapping. Can't do that. I hear people sometimes, they take stuff, they, you know, they take stuff from other people. And when I say take stuff, like they, they take in people's emotions that they give to them. You know, negatively affected or anything. They take things from people. They put up with people crap. You know, they put up with certain things, certain situations. And you know what they say? I'm a snap. Like next time, I'm a snap. Listen, don't allow yourself to be built up that much frustration. Built up that much. Choose yourself in this situation. Why wait until you're about to snap? You don't gotta snap. You know what happens when people snap sometimes? They end up saying th- saying something or doing something that will badly injure the next person whether it is mentally psychologically um or physically so what i'm saying is before you get to that point think about yourself you know you ain't got to take that all the time speak up you know choose yourself sometimes can't always care about other people and you can't help the next person if you constantly not caring for your own self do something for yourself. Whether, you know, you want to, I don't know, go on a date by yourself and take yourself to the movies or whatever you do. Choose yourself sometimes. I, I had to learn that. I learned that while being sick for almost three weeks. Like, I was literally sick and I couldn't work. 
I couldn't even lay in the bed and get ideas for my clothing line. Um, I would try to research for the show, and it was hard. It was super hard. And I'm not saying that it was all my fault because I caught the flu, you know, germs. But I will say that I was going on seven days of working back to back, you know, photo shoots, um, working on a show, trying to work on a clothing line, and also working a regular nine to five. And some people be like, you know, you got to put in that work. You do. You definitely do. To get to your dreams, you got to put in that work. But at the same time, you, you at least need to take a moment for yourself. And make sure that you're taking care of yourself as much as you're taking care of your business, your family, your friends, everyone around you. Make sure that you're keeping that same energy with yourself. Um, it's about you doing what you're made to do. If that's what right. you're made to do, it don't matter if the next person do it. Your niche is your niche. Right. So, um, I think that, I mean, this, is, this went really well. I think that's anything else you guys want to hit on with self-hate? I mean, this was... This is pretty good to me. Almost had me tearing up. Bree, don't be doing that. Don't be I doing that on public. You got me know. crying and stuff. I'm sorry. Up here tearing up. <laughs> you lucky I ain't got lashes on. Because if one of my lashes would have fell off, I would have made you pay for it. <laughs> but this is this has been amazing. One thing that I want to bring up is I got this quote from Maya Angelou. And she says, uh, is it Maya Angelou or Maya Angelou? I always I want to know Angelou. Is it Angelou? But she got a Angelou. U on the end of it. So it's like Angelou. It's silent. Okay, well, Auntie got this quote, right? And it is, success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. Mm -hmm. So that plays a big role is your success is your Mm self-love. If you don't love yourself and you don't feel that you are confident and you trust yourself, you'll never be able to do the things that you really want to do. Because the things you really want to do, you're going to have to step out and do it. And it's going to be different. And you won't be able to stop doing it because you're afraid. You just got to mm-hmm. step out of your little box. Because that's what I had to do. Step out of my box and start the show. I was like, okay, you know what? <sighs> I got to put my little big girl drawers on and do, do this. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do it. So I think I think that was great. I think that was great. I think um, hopefully the girls from last week listen to it because it will give them more insight of how as they get older, mm-hmm. you're going to be mm-hmm. challenged. You're yeah. going to see social media, you know, we're living in that day, but things are going to get more drastic. Yes. You know, these booties is getting bigger mm-hmm. and these legs is getting smaller <laughs> yeah. and these hips, these, I'm telling you, these hips is getting wide and these waists is getting small. It's just ants. Man, I'm it's. Telling, I seen this picture the other day of this girl booty and I said, you know what? <laughs> that is wrong. Whatever doctor did that to you, sis. That's wrong. Yeah. But someone will look at it and say, oh, my God, I wish I, I had but Oh, yeah. my God, I can't wait to tax time. <laughs> Man, for real. For real. So I want to remind people, like, love what you got. Mm-hmm. I love what I got. I love my flaws these days. Yeah. You know, I love everything down to my little feet. I love yes. it all. Like, I messed my feet up doing my ballet, but you're not going to tell me my feet ain't cute when they polished. Because yeah. so. they're your feet. Exactly. <laughs> bunions and all. Like, I, I ain't got bunions for real. Y'all don't do that. I'm going to have to post a picture. They're going to be like, oh, she got bunions. I don't. Not for real. But this has been exciting. Um, ladies, thank you so much for sharing, um, you, you know, your opinions and then also sharing your stories because I feel like this can help lots of people that have these problems it's a lot of women they find themselves less mm-hmm. than the next person because of a feature feature because of their weight mm-hmm. or because of a talent because of the people that's in their ear because mm-hmm. i had people in my ear Correct. like mm, i had someone that i dated I'm, and i'm gonna stop that said girl you'll never be able to date like a professional athlete or anybody in the industry that's for them type of women not you and i was like what that's crazy that's crazy, but you will have people in your ear that mm-hmm. tell them things. So you gotta learn how to deflect and do the Heisman. Mm-hmm. If you know what the Heisman is, y'all know what the Heisman is, yeah. Uh, some people may not know what the Heisman is. <laughs> but you guys, be great, be awesome, and thank you so much for tuning in. Hi. For you, one of your loved ones, one of the 44 million Americans with student loan debts on your back, shoulders, and neck. Are your student loans payments too high? Is your tax return being taken year after year? Are your wages being garnished? Are you making payments on your student loans? But the balance seems to be going nowhere. Wow, Stula Pro is here to take the load off and relieve the stress. 
We make complicated student loan contracts simple with expert strategies that ensure you of the most beneficial outcome. If you know so much, why do you owe so much? One simple mistake while filling out the U.S. Department of Education forms could cost you thousands. We complete all of the paperwork for you to get the best result possible. And backed by our money-back guarantee, you just sign, steal it, and it's delivered. Our expert student loan professionals are standing by now to answer any questions you may have concerning your student loans. Call us now for free consultation, 331-625-1898. Again, 331-625-1898. I went to Denby. We had computers and the library. That was it. They had like dial-up. Like it was supposed to be like DSL or something. That's it was crazy. Like they had tablets. A meg a second or a couple kilobytes a second. Like you can you you could not move that computer fast enough to be interested in computers. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you see like the different levels of technology that people are introduced to. Right. It allows them to accelerate or excel a little faster. Right. We could use a a, a, a nice science and technology high school i mean they 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 do not just high school middle school because i mean i'll be honest with you um i gotten you know science science mathematics engineering that that's that's me science is stem that's that's me you know on, on many things but you know that, that that's me but i was able to get in the dap set right. and in fourth fifth grade to to where they had programs where we got hands-on you know, they they it, it was powered by Ford Motor Company, so so they were able to get resources to where you are able to introduce this. You know, so if we had a good institution that was was able to have state of the art resources, and it'd have to be private donor because you know, right. you know, the lottery's supposed to go to schools. Oh yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, they had Max. That's where that 450 million jackpot went to. They only gave the man half. Where the other half go? It didn't make it down to our schools. So, but but so who's just gonna put it down there? You know, that's the question. But see, looking at Detroit, Detroit is heavily focused on independent education. Right. Because we have the greatest museums on the planet. Mm -hmm. True. We have. True. Some of the greatest pro science programs, math programs on the planet. True. Right. Like, like you said, DAPSET. I was in DAPSET, and they introduced Bluetooth five, in a car. Yeah. Five, six years before there was actually in the car. Man, we built so a lot of paper mache before. Paper the, the prototype for Bluetooth going in the car. So, like, those programs are there. Yeah. But it's also you take programs that may take extra resources from a parent. That already has no resources, right? To uh, at least get them there. Right. Some of those programs are free, but how can we get you there? Right. And then you're not going to the same location every week. So you got to go here, then you got to go there, you got to go there, and it's like some parents are working two jobs to be able to stay above water, right. and then to try to figure out how to get their kids all over the city to try to further that education. It's very difficult. Because a lot of people say, oh, you got to take the time to invest in all that. It's hard to tell somebody who's stomach growling to mm-hmm. invest in this this book here or invest in that book when I don't know what food coming from tonight. Right. I don't care about a book. But see, if you could recognize that being a need and you and you have it that detailed. See, I'm going to put you on blast. You know how I get If you got it that detailed, then why not put the plan down? And begin to build those resources, and that—that's the whole—that's the whole purpose of this conversation. I mean, because there's no uh, point of, cause you know me, I'm, I'm not a talker. You know, we can converse all day, but at a point where a plan comes out, then you have to move, and, and that's where we lack. Because a lot of people have plans, they they scared to move on. Right. People that's think you true. need tens of thousand dollars to start a business. Right. Uh, yeah, I ain't ten thousand dollars. Take a gas. <laughs> we'll take a gas. Fifty dollars. You got a business. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you know, a full take of gas could pick up 10 people. Really? Very true. So, four quarters, that's four people in a car. I mean, yeah. So, so, you know, as long as as a need can be recognized, you know, we have to, we have to come up with some type of, some type of, uh, a, a central mindset location. This is something I've always been thinking about, you know? I mean, once people get on, because a lot, a lot of one in a few might get on and be millionaires. One in a few, and their mindset is not 
so much on a wider thing. It's more of an individual, an individual not being just myself. It's myself, my family, so forth and so on. So it's, it's like it's a column. It's just a column of what we got going on to where. But what if you get that group and the focus be more widespread? You can have your STEM. You can have your business. You can have your philanthropy, you know, but it all comes to this. Right. And then that, that'll help build, you know, because having 100 ideas means nothing, really. It doesn't. Something that was big in, like, the 70s, 80s, like, in white communities, investment clubs, yep. where, yep. like, if our community, if we wasting money at grocery stores we not own it, I wanna have shark we can tanks. get 10 of us together and yeah. put in money. Do a shark tank. And right. invest in... Look, somebody go and start it, and we will. That's what we're gonna support and keep the money in the neighborhood. Yeah, that's actually still popular now. I was doing cable uh, a few years back, and I was at this guy's house, and his son pulled up in a BMW. He was like, Oh, he bought that. So, what they did was they had uh, these this group where you could sell like little stuff you need around the house energy drinks, water bottles, tissue, basic toiletries. They had all their kids sign up and join. And then all of the parents bought everything from the house from the kids. And that helped to build the revenue in their neighborhood. Yep. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like they kept it neighborhood wide, but their neighborhood revenue went up and all the kids were making money off of this. Yeah, too many people want to be separated. Like I look at right. the people like, uh, a lot of people want to be like, they want to make their own clothes. And they all trying to go it alone. Like, why don't the five of y'all get together and beat Target? Like, they sell different brands inside of Target, but right. they all in the same you space. Oh, speaking right. of which, Midi Bar coming soon. Midi Bar is that. coming soon. That's, that's what Midi Bar is. Midi you know Bar is coming that? soon. Because y'all do t-shirts. Yeah. And I have about five other guys that do t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of in the midst, but it's like, I got so much on my hands. It's like, that's that's, that's what the Midi Bar is. Because I did talk to all five of them, like, hey, yo. Man, even more You need that. to go on here and it's like, we're going to put a conglomerate site together. Everybody sell this stuff. At this site, you make your own money, you provide your own product, but it gives uh, opportunity to piggyback off of each other's exposure. Yep. Like most companies have we a board of directors. We'll say, do it together. It, most companies have but, a board of directors like who are making decisions. Like, right. if y'all in here, y'all on the board, like, y'all, it's in y'all best interest to make all of y'all win. Everybody promote Absolutely. this this mini bar and everybody get promoted. That's dope. Absolutely. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a dope idea, though. Good, but you know, ideas got to be put into fruition. Yep. So, I mean, this has been a great, like, a real great conversation. Absolutely. You know, a lot has been said. Did you get your point out that you was talking about? Did I don't you get remember. Out? You remember it? Oh. I, can talk, I can talk all day. You just got to say something. I'm <laughs> Well, this has been a good episode, especially like I think in February, no March, we were focus, focusing on the women. So it's good to get a conversation with the men, and you know, hear from you guys. That's what we're doing in March. That's what we, well, that's what I was doing in March. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> here, here, women. That's I'm what sorry. I was oh, doing. Oh, I gotta stop saying I'm that. That's what we're doing here. No, you but, using a paternal leave. Yeah, that's what we call it. With no pay. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call it. But uh, yeah, it was definitely a great episode. I appreciate both of y'all for coming definitely, out with us. Definitely. And, um, this was. We definitely gotta have another uh, roundtable like yes, this. Yes, I want to do. Uh, I honestly want to do an episode. Get a whole bunch of men. We all come to one area. And we just have an open conversation. Because, I mean, it's a lot to be taught. Like, we have to talk about. So, yeah, I'm sure y'all want to hear what us men got to talk I wanna about. I want to hear it. I, I got a whole bunch of questions. I want to get that other person who said that they gave up on uh, men as well. Because I, w- I want to get their insight. Or they gave up on black people in yeah. general. That's what yeah, they gave I up. would like to get that person so, on the show. I want to get yeah. their insight on that. Like, <laughs> right. are you about to take your skin off? Right. Is that your next move? Hey, you, you know. what's funny? Is I... I I, I want to be in on that conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a little dope conversation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I've 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 encountered both sides. I've, I've asked, but you know, like, see, me personally, you know, I've I've had my ups and downs with any thought. Cause you know, I'm I'm I always one thing I do is every year is I have to my mind. Um, so the way the program works is like at the end of the program, after all they everybody's written an article and the paper has been published, they um they they're really passionate about college access and pairing like low income and underrepresented students like people of color to get to some of the best universities in the country. They pair you with 
um, college access counselors who will help you in like choosing a list of where to apply and helping you apply, helping edit your essays. Um, and then helping you figure out like financial aid packages because like we are low income students, like figure out like how we can afford college if we can get some of the best universities in the country because it's pretty well known that these top universities cost like an arm and a leg to attend. So I got paired with my mentor. Her name is um, Megan Greenwell. She's currently the editor in chief of an online sports magazine based in New York called Deadspin. And Megan, she's honestly one of the best women to come into my life she's been so supportive and just so kind to me and we've been in contact almost every day since august when i went to the program so um in september she like she asked me kind of the same questions that i was asked at the program like hey why are you thinking of applying and i told her and she was like can i be honest with you i'm like sure she's like yeah those schools are great like you know state schools and northwestern but she's like you're honestly one of the most brilliant students and one of the best writers I've ever seen come through this program. The program's been running for 17 years. So I was like, are you serious? She's like, yes, yeah. like, you were truly talented. And I'd hate to see you waste your potential on one school when you could get it to like some of the best schools in the country. So I think you should try. You should apply to someone like Princeton, like Harvard. And I was like, oh my God. I just like, it thought never crossed my mind. I think maybe once when I was back in like ninth grade I thought maybe I could because uh, everyone always told me I'm smart so I was like maybe I'll I'll try to apply to one of those schools but not like I'm invested in it because that like never happened it was like I was like maybe I'll apply to like Dartmouth or something just to see like it you know because I thought that was a really cool school I didn't end up applying to Dartmouth but after ninth grade I kind of just dismissed those thoughts I was like no IVs are like way too crazy so I just I just completely removed them from my head but she like she put she planted the seed like back in my head. She's like, no, I think you should really do it. So I worked with her over two months up and like yeah, from October to November, we did everything. Got my letters of recommendation, um, and talked to my counselors. And like the biggest thing that she helped me with were my essays and helping me figure out how can I like effectively, you know, tell my story. So she, I um. I wrote about, you know, like my struggles, like moving around a lot and being isolated as a kid and not really feeling like I fit in, but always just loving school and like loving writing and just, yeah, I just spoke about that um, a lot and how like, um, I also wrote about one of my other essays, like after I got home from the program, like, everyone was, like, in awe. It was, like, how did you, like, even if I, even though I hadn't gone into school, you're, like, how did you get to a place like that? And I was, like, I don't know. And they're, like, wow, like, this is, this is crazy. And I realized that, like, I don't want to be, like, I appreciate when everyone, like, the attention everyone gets me, but I don't want to be, like, singled out as, like, the one girl from Detroit who, like, got into a place like Princeton. Like, I don't want to be singled out like that. I want to like encourage like the success and like the full potential of every anybody who feels like like a school like Princeton just is impossible for them because maybe of their background or they just like never heard of a school like that like I want to encourage that especially within my own city because I see like so many like hard-working youth who just like never get a chance to achieve like what do you ever get a chance to achieve like the James like fullest potential so um I wrote about that in my essay I was like no I don't want to be the only one who has the chance to like go to a place like Princeton or gets like letters in the mail like I got so many like letters in the mail from a bunch of different colleges and I just like like state schools like some of the best schools in the country like hey we um you saw like your test scores you scored did really high like your grades and we're like we think you would do well in applying so I was like I don't want to be like the only one I want to help um as many students as I can like achieve to like the best of their abilities too so I wrote about that and um I applied to Princeton early um a uh a common theme would between all the Ivy League schools that you can only, if you apply to them, you can only apply to them early. You can't apply to any other schools. So I applied to Princeton early by November 1st, and that way I could hear back December 15th. Um, the plan was, like, if 
I got into Princeton, then I didn't have to apply to a bunch of different schools. But if I didn't get in early, maybe I got deferred to regular action. I found out at the end of March that I applied to a bunch of different schools because the program right now, they recommend that students apply to between 15 to 20 different schools because they know that like some of the, like these schools, they um, are very particular about admissions. Like some, they have really low admissions rates. And I think Harvard this year only accepted like 4.5% of its applicants. So they're really competitive and they don't want the students to all cast their um, net like into one bucket. Um, so they say apply to like 15 to 20 different schools, cast a wide range and just see where you, like where it ha- like what can happen. Um, so my mentor was like, okay, your top choice is Princeton. You've applied early. We'll see what happens to that. Um, and if, like, if you don't get in, like, either they reject you or they defer you to regular action, then you can apply to the other, I had, like, 17 other schools on my list. Um, so I applied to Princeton, and then I also, I applied to Princeton early, then I also applied to Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania, that was, that's the Ivy based in Philadelphia. I, they got the chance to go there. They flew me out. I did um did these things called fly-in programs, where you like you. It's kind of like a mini college application. I say you write like a short um and, and like your interest and put like GPA test scores, whatever. And if you get in, they will fly you out to like the college campus so you can see the campus, see if you like it, and then you can identify it as a place you maybe actually want to go to for college so I did that fly-in program and I, I liked Penn I thought it was really nice um and it became my second choice like after Princeton um so December 15th rolls around like the day early admissions come out and like my heart is beating like so fast like I'm freaking out I was like oh my god what have I gotten myself into like this is crazy I applied to one like the, literally the top school in the country and what was I doing thinking I could get into a school like this? And then, like, the results were released at 7 p.m. Um, I had to go online and check my application portal. And, like, the first thing I see is congratulations. And I literally just freak out. I was like, oh, my God, how did I how did I do this? This is, like, absolutely insane. I got into, like, and I got into an Ivy League school, like, a school like Princeton. Um I was freaking out. My mom, there's actually a 30-second video we uploaded to YouTube. It was, like, a thousand views or whatever of me just, like, screaming at the top of my lung. Like, I'm jumping around my living room because I, I can't believe it. I started crying. My mom started crying. And she was like, yes, yeah, like, all the hard work you put in, it, it's, like, it works. Like, you, you've accomplished this. You should be proud of yourself. Like, I know, you know, your childhood wasn't best and you had to go through a lot but you overcame all of it you just really accomplished your goals and I was just I was so it's still like it's still crazy to me to this day like I look at my acceptance letter and I'm like how all of this happened mm-hmm. um yeah and then after I found out I got in I kind of like got famous like in my community like I was on the front page of our student newspaper which I was actually on the newspaper I was one of the editors of the newspaper but I got like so many like people like flooding me with emails like out of my school like congratulations and I got an email from a ninth grader who was like hey like do you have any advice for me just starting out in my high school career about how to get to a school like this and I'm like yeah just like you know always work hard check your best new classes um you do extracurriculars that you're really passionate about, not just, like, doing 10 different clubs or activities just to fill, like, a college application. Like, really focus on what you're passionate about and then really try to translate your passion and your life story into your essays. Right now, colleges are really big on writing. They want to see, like, what it gets to know you as a person because um, what I learned was actually kind of shocking to me is, like, most admissions officers, especially at as some of the top schools in the country, um, they spend at most 15 minutes reading an entire application. So this is an application that you spend like months working on, filling out like all your essays and all these letters of recommendation and everything about you, like essentially trying to tell your life story. And they literally will only spend a max of 15 minutes reading it. So you have to like really sell yourself in a really short amount of time. So you have to come through and you like just like, try to give it your all. And I tried to do that. I paired my heart and mind and it worked for me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, my mom called Rhonda's Brag Book and actually got a feature on that, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also during this time, I uh, so through the Princeton program, 
my mentor shared with me another journalist opportunity to uh, write for The Trace. The Trace is an online news organization that focuses on gun violence in America, and they wanted to uh, start this project called Since Parkland, uh, which would document like all of the um, children and teens killed by gun violence in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting in Florida um, back in February of 2018. And they were, and they're like, would you be comfortable writing about this? I was like, oh my God, I've never written about something this serious. Like I got kids to write about like politics and different things at the Princeton program, but actually, actually writing about like gun violence and how that affects so many kids and teens in America. And it was like something home for me because it is, uh, unfortunately, it is like a prevalent issue in Detroit. I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. I've never done something like this before, but I'm willing to try and I want to shed light on these stories. Um, so I did that throughout my senior year. It was actually something I included on my college application. It just really opened my eyes about journalism and how gun violence affects different communities in the country. Um, I ended up writing 19 profiles about 19 different children and teens who were unfortunately lost their lives to gun violence. Um, Four of them were in the Detroit area. One of them was actually, um, I believe, a three-year-old boy. It took place right down the street from my house. Like I live on, um, I live by Dearborn, like right off of Southfield and Warren. Mm-hmm. And he was, um, I'm not sure if you're about the boy who was shot. His godmother was taking him to see Sesame Street Live, and he was shot on the Southfield Freeway. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I actually ended up writing about him, and I I was. I was so sad. I remember mean, I was crying. There were a bunch of different times I was crying because these kids, like, they had, I remember, like, one was a cancer student and one was, like, an aspiring doctor. And they, I was like, oh, my God, these, these kids literally could have been me. And I think that's, like, the, was the point of the project was they wanted, like, actual teens, young people who, like, see this happening to their peers. You know, they're not removed. Like, this is something that's happening to them. It can literally happen to anyone. Like, I wrote about people while I was 16 who were 16, 17, and I got shot. I was like, uh, any of these kids could have been me. It just resonated with me. Um, me to, I believe it allowed me to grow to be more mature. But, yeah, I just I wrote about all of them, and then I had to do interviews about that. And I got more exposure. So senior year was just a crazy year. I never like had that much attention on me even growing up. People knew I was smart, but Princeton and that, like I got interviewed by Boston NPR, and I got featured on the Now This News segment. I actually, like my one of my friends saw me on Snapchat. She's like, "Yeah, I saw your name on like a Snapchat story." I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" <laughs> so it's a big year, um, and I got. Uh, like, after March rolled around, um, actually, my Harvard and Harvard rejected me, but I didn't really want to go there anyway, so that's fine. Um, but I did get into Penn, though, so I got into two IVs, and there I was. I liked, I liked Princeton a lot more than Penn, so I could get into Princeton, and then, um, 